Okay, man is material and immaterial. All right, and this one, this one you think, well, Bill, isn't that kind of obvious? Can't we just, you know, enjoy another break or whatever, and we can go on? And and again, some of these things you're saying, yeah, I know that. Okay, demonstrate it from the scriptures. Um, because there are questions, and there isn't a question on the exam, but what there isn't a history behind that question. So you want to want to make sure. This is theology exam question ten, and it that question reads: Provide a biblical description of the dichotomist view of mankind. Explain the counseling implications of this doctrine with regard to inner man and outer man. And you're saying to yourself, I don't have too many conversations about trichotomy and dichotomy, you know, unless you are a theologian student, you know, or you're, you're uh, involved in one of these conversations that does have implications in biblical counseling. So I want to walk you through it so that you understand uh, where we're coming from and, and why why it is. So you're going to want a good definition of what dichotomy is as far as the view of mankind is. So the dichotomist view. Can the dichotomist view be supported by Scripture? And what about other views of man, which would be the trichotomist? There are another one, but um, we'll just we'll just stick to the two that are most popular. And what are the counseling implications? So what? Why do I need to know this? So what? Okay. Well, you need to know it because you're not going to pass the exam unless you know the right answer to the question. So you need to know it for that. Uh, what would be a good biblical understanding of the dichotomist view of man? All right. Simply put, the dichotomist, dichotomy would be the two. It would speak to two. The dichotomous view of mankind is the view that man is made of two parts, one part being physical, material, and the other part being soul or immaterial. And, of course, that concept holds that the soul or the immaterial would include the concepts of a person's spirit, as we would typically think of that as well, Rather than attempting to make the spirit a third separate equal entity as the other two, uh, trying to separate man into three parts uh, gets to be interesting. But that was the way that I was taught when I was um, coming up through the ranks. Um, so Heath Lambert, Heath Lambert, to quote the person that you're going to want his book on because it's kind of like the textbook for the theology exam. He says the word dichotomy comes from the Greek and means literally to cut in two. This literally, this literal meaning is not ideal since you can't really split a human being in two pieces or you don't have one. Um, it's not, not meant to do that. It's not designed to have the two aspects of their nature be cut at all. Uh, man, is, man is a whole Rather, they were designed to stay together, still in, in as much as the language points to two-sided nature of a person, it is useful to think of people as being material and immaterial. We have two aspects. Um, Grudem says, how many parts are there to a man? Everyone agrees that we have physical bodies. Most people 
both Christians and non-Christians, sense that there's also an immaterial part, a soul. And of course, we would think of that as a soul that lives beyond the body. Um, that's Grudem's definition. Erickson defines it as probably the most widely held view throughout most of history of, of Christian thought um, has been the view that humans are composed of two elements, a material and an immaterial aspect, a body and a soul or spirit. The body is the physical part of humans, the part that dies. It undergoes disintegration and death, returns to the ground. The soul, on the other hand, is the immaterial part of humans, the part that survives death. It is the immortal nature that sets human beings or humans apart from all other creatures. And that's Millard Erickson um, definition. So when you, when you look at the biblical support for a dichotomous position, again, I don't really know as we need to thunder a whole lot or you need to spend a great deal of time on your exam arguing this particular point, but you do need to at least establish it in your response, in your answer. What about a biblical basis for a physical body? And you're going, you know, isn't that obvious? Jay Adams wrote, when the Bible teaches that Adam was made out of the dust of the ground, it is firmly attesting that man's material to man's material nature. Uh, from the beginning, there's an identification, harmony, and continuity with this world. Man is earthy. earthy. He's from the earth. The very name Adam, which Dave, isn't it in the Hebrew, Adam? Something like that. Anyway, it means red clay. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. The issue of whether humans have a flesh and bones material body is really not something that's debated. Um, what about a biblical basis for mankind having a soul? Many, many terms that are used in the Bible indicate the existence, the importance of the inner man, which is the immaterial part of us. But some of the aspects, some of these terms are spirit, mind, will, heart. Those all are terms that refer to the immaterial part of us. And so, again, those terms are heart, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life, keep your heart. Um, those kind of concepts indicate that there is an immaterial part of us. And they all fall under the umbrella of soul, even though sometimes, sometimes soul is used interchangeably for the entire person. So, you know, sometimes you see these as kind of interchangeable terms, depending on the context. You just have to kind of look. Keith Lambert, um, when God explains what it is that makes up a human being, he says that we have both a body and a soul. And again, he references that Genesis 2-7 passage that Jay Adams mentioned. When God made the first person, he paired the physical with the spiritual. God breathed into him the breath of life. And so you have the immaterial life as well as the physical a person's dual qualities of, of body and soul are made clear in Matthew 10, 8, 10, 28, where Jesus admonishes, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who, who can destroy both the soul and the body, the material and immaterial parts of us. 
Matthew 27, John 19, Luke 23. I think I've referenced those in your handout. All speak of the death of Jesus as he gave up his spirit. His body remained on the cross with a cry, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke 12, uh, 4 and 5, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear whom, who after he is he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say you fear him. Yeah, that's a somber thought. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7, Then the dust shall return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit return to God who gave it. So again, it's that evidencing from Scripture that there is a material part of man and an immaterial part of man. You're going to want to be able to do that on the exam. 2 Corinthians 5 so we're always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We're confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So you have this, this immaterial part of us that lives on beyond, beyond the grave. Okay, so what would the trichotomist position be? And again, this was the... This was what I was taught back when I was in Bible college um, in the 60s. Okay, long time ago. But at any rate, uh, it, it's just what I grew up with, understanding. And uh, some people hold that there is an additional beyond. You have the body, but then the, the immaterial part of you is divided into two distinct so it's divided into spirit and soul. Uh, they would say, and I was taught that the components would be your flesh and bones body, and then you have a soul, and then a third part that is your God consciousness, which would be your spirit. It's within your spirit that you relate to God, and that was the way that, that I was taught. Um, and it seemed to be logical to me particularly from the texts that were used, and I'll walk you through one of the familiar texts and help you better understand it uh, as I came to understand it. Yes. They would say, they would say that mankind, mankind was, was made up of three parts. He's a body, he's a soul, and he's a spirit. In his spirit, he can, he can be conscious of God, but it's not the Holy Spirit. It's different, yeah. It's just the spirit of man, you know. When Jesus said, I give up my spirit, that's his inner being, his non-flesh part going to heaven, but not the Holy Spirit. That's something different. That would be a different concept. Um, we certainly have the spirit as believers, but that that doesn't have anything to do with trichotomy, just an understanding it. That's a different, that's something different. Yes. Um, so those three, that's, trichotomy stands in, in opposition to dichotomy, where people are seeing us as only two parts, they would see it as three. And, and again, what's the big deal? And... Um, 
get to that in just a second. But let me quote to you from Lambert again. That is, this view known as trichotomy does not seem to understand the Bible can use different terms to speak of the same thing. And that was my confusion uh, in, in just learning this. In fact, one of the passages that to me poses the most difficulty for this position is one of the text proponents um, of trichotomy commonly used to defend it, which is Hebrews 4.12. Okay, so if you look at Hebrews 4.12... And again, in trying to help myself, I pulled my markers out. I don't know. Lost the book of Hebrews. Here it is. Hebrews 4.12. And again, I, I could quote it, but I would probably misquote it. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of the joints and the marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so a lot of times that verse would be used See, you've got a flesh and bones body, and you've got a soul because it's divided between soul and spirit, so there must be two different entities. And that's, that's the particular argument. And what, and what trichotomists would believe is that that proves that there are three different parts. Um, if we're going to create separate roles for the spirit and the soul because of this passage, then then we would also have to make a different role for the heart, um, which is also mentioned in the passage. Okay, so, so it, it's difficult for the trichotomist to argue consistently through that passage. Okay, I, I am convinced of this, and, and again, there may be people who differ with me here, and that's fine. Um, uh, ACBC looks toward a a dichotomist particular position of make sure that you're emphasizing that there's an immaterial and a material part of mankind. But when I look at those lists, I see it inconsistently with other lists in the scriptures that seem, seem to me to indicate entirety rather than a separation of. It's not that he's saying... It's not that he's saying this verse proves that there's a difference between the soul and the spirit. What he's saying is that the word of God is quick and powerful, and it cuts completely through mankind. I mean completely down to discern the very thoughts and the intents of his heart. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. What's he saying? He's saying with everything within you. You love him. He's not trying to distinguish these things. Um, can you distinguish them? Uh, that would be difficult to do consistently from the text because some of these terms are used interchangeably. Uh, so I think a far better way of looking at it is just to simply think of man in terms of he is a, he is a material <laughs> and he's immaterial, both. And your soul and your spirit and your mind and your heart and your will, all those things um, we can think of as belonging to the immaterial part of us from within. Adams, J. Adams writes, the debate about how many elements unite to form a complete human being, however, is important to counselors, to them, 
you know, and, and maybe to us in some of this, it's hair splitting. It's not really hair splitting. The history behind this comes from my era. Okay. And in my era, there came a very popular Christian counselor whose name happened to be Clyde Naramore. Clyde Naramore was the first person who was of evangelical nature who claimed the fundamental truths that most of us claimed in that day. And he would suggest that, okay, you have a heart, soul, and mind. Um, I'm not that you have a heart, soul, and mind, but you have a body, soul, and spirit. So your body needs to be treated by a physician. And your spirit needs to be treated by a pastor. But your soul, your psyche, you see, needs to be treated by a psychologist. You follow the history of it? Do you see why, why we're maybe, okay, emphasizing something and stressing it is very important? Because can we dissect the human, the very nature of humanity into those three sections? And can we say that, yes, the flesh and bones body needs a medical physician? We would say yes. We would say yes. Does the soul need a psychologist? And is it that distinct in the scriptures from our spirit so that you could distinguish and make these three different categories? Okay. And, uh, and we would say, and I, and I agree with Jay, is that, is that psychology in the early uh, 60s and early 70s actually encroached on our turf as pastors, and we let it happen because we weren't thinking clearly. So I stand before you as living through that generation. Um, so I have, I've heard this argument in the early years of biblical counseling. I don't hear it much anymore. Basically, I hear in biblical counseling is that man is seen as a material and immaterial. You know, there may be those, I have a dear friend, and he would still argue that the body, soul, and spirit, those are three different distinct entities, but he would argue just as strongly that the soul and the spirit need to be treated by God's word and, and never by secular psychology as having a greater, a greater, you know, authority there. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, the argument that I've heard in, in previous years, again, suggested that there was an area where we as believers in the church ought to, ought to look to uh, psychology. But I'm convinced, I'm convinced, and I agree with ACBC's position on this, and that is you can't really argue that division from the scriptures consistently. It's, it's just not there. Um, what are the counseling implications of this doctrine with regard to inner man, outer man? Uh, well, God created all mankind, physical body, and a soul, or spirit, as you want to say, this immaterial part of you. Um, and God cares for both. God cares for both. He cares about how we manage our bodies. And he cares about how we manage our inner man, our immaterial, both our body and soul, which means that caring for our counselees is going to be considering both body and soul. 
You can't deny that. Our outer man, words and actions, reflect our inner man. So even, even in addressing, and again, you've heard me say this in basic, if it smells like it's medical, you send them for a good medical checkup. Uh, if you think that it might be medical, it never hurts to have a good medical checkup to make sure that there's not something medically that's influencing this behavior, uh, contributing to it, that they might be able to find some, some relief for or that's complicating whatever's going on. But from a biblical perspective, what we can do is help them to understand from the scriptures how to view what's going on in their circumstance, whatever it is. Uh, so we treat both. Um, one's behavior is guided by his immaterial. We are outer man words and actions reflect what is going on in the inner man, okay? And then we are material beings and we are immaterial beings. But I've said that over and over again. It's just like saying the same things over and over again. And that is that, that uh, as biblical counselors, we're going to be concerned about suffering um, in the inner person, the agony, the grief of heart, as well as what, it, what is happening uh, medically to that person. It doesn't mean we run out and prescribe medications because we're not medical physicians. And we know that if it's a spiritual issue, treating the symptom is not going to help to cure the core cause. And so we need to help work through that. Um, all right. Uh, D. One's behavior is guided by his heart. Your behavior comes out of your heart. And again, I think the Y chart's a great way of illustrating this. Lambert says, God designed human beings to be guided by their souls. He created people to work in such a way that their souls initiate the activity of their bodies. What is inside comes out. Um, it will happen in your, 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 your mental, your beliefs, and what you're thinking, and what's going on in your inner man, will will um, can trigger your endocrine system. You know, fire chemicals in your body, good or bad, and uh, it will affect your neurological happenings and. And, and it can create physical uh, symptoms. Yeah, but your inner man. Now, again, you might have to treat both. James 2, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You can't, you can't have faith and walk in faith without it evidencing in your words and your actions. Um, yeah, those scriptures are there. You can read them through. Um, uh, enough said on that. You put off old man ways, you put on new man ways, according to Ephesians 4. Having put off old man, you need to functionally live that out. Put off old man, put on new man, uh, having positionally done that when you were saved. Okay. And then again, just, a, just an emphasis, and that is that your physical bodies can influence your heart. Um. You've got the case of the flu, and it can make you feel sad. And your sadness can influence your thinking that the whole world stinks, right? Just, you know, what's the use? Uh, that kind of a 
that kind of an attitude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was talking to an individual. Marianne and I are trying to encourage a, a dear friend of hers, and um, I won't mention all the physical ailments because, again, it, the world is small, and and I wouldn't want to embarrass them at all. But I mean, life is tough. Um, cancer diagnosis. Um, prognosis for the spouse is, is just, you know, onset dementia. Is he going to be able to care for himself? Angry, irritable, moody. Um, she's looking at the doctor and the, the prognosis for her doesn't look bright, you know. I mean, right? That can influence you. How bright is your day when you wake up and you say, this ain't going to change. It's just going to get worse. Unless, right, down deep in your heart, you believe this isn't it. This isn't, this is just a temporary pilgrimage. And I'm not home yet. You got to look at heaven. And you've got to look at each day and say that God is sufficient in his grace to help me to respond in God-honoring ways to whatever the pressure is. I may not be able to handle the pain. I, um, Kenny Stones years ago, I'm rolling on the floor like a child. You know, there's nothing anybody could do, right? I mean, the pain is excruciating. God never promised me that he would prevent that kind of pain. But God promised me that in that intense pain, I do not have to swear at the nurse or curse God, right? That's hard. That's hard. Why in the world would God allow this dear saint to be in that kind of a circumstance? Tell me, why would a good God do that? Well, I don't know. (laughs) but I do know this, that he never allows his children to suffer for no purpose. That what about this genuineness of our heart being revealed that people around us could see faith? 80-some-year-old lady, I remember. That's not old, by the way. It's young to me. 80-year-old lady in the hospital, met with her, and... uh, She's going home soon, not physically home. She's fine. She has faith. Jack was the same way, Jack Drury, the same way. He's looking forward to it. I'm going home today, told the nurses. (laughs) The nurse says, honey, you're not, does he, does he know what? Kevin says, yes, he knows exactly what he's saying. Yeah, but that's, you know what I'm saying, is it's, it's when a person comes to me and, and they're facing those kind of things, and I look at them and I say, well, just trust Jesus, you know, that sounds so hurtful and hard at that particular moment, but, but the truth is, is that our, our physical, whatever is going on, will affect and influence us spiritually. It will influence that. Um, okay. All right. All right. Um, question.
Okay. Uh, appreciate your your attention. Um, purposefully, this was a shorter. Do you kind of enjoy my grace in saying, thank you, Bill? You know, it's a little shorter than the last one and the one before that. Yeah, okay, yeah, thank you. Um, now, here's the rule. Here's the rule. Here's the rule. We're getting out early. They're not. Okay, so kind of be quiet when you, yeah, don't don't open the door and say, ah, ha, 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 ha. You know, just... Just kind of quietly, you know, you may have to wait for people who are in track one or whatever it is. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you. Well, I won't see you again until late tomorrow afternoon. So you'll enjoy our guest speakers. Um, David Agassel is going to be back in here. Um, Brad Hargis is going to be in here for at least one session. Kevin's going to be in here, and he's going to wind up the day with you as well. So hope you're hopefully you're looking forward to that. You can leave your notebooks. Just take anything that's of value with you. Uh, we would never want you to, to lose something that's valuable. Um, okay. Let me pray with you, and we'll let you go. Father, again, we are in your presence, and we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We're thankful, Father, for, you, for the realization that you've revealed to us um, creation and, and who we are at the core and what the human condition is really all about and how we're motivated and why we're motivated and what we should be motivated by. And Father, our need of you is thankful, Father, so much for the convicting of your Holy Spirit in that direction. Lord, bless each person that's here. May these truths be something that conceptually they grasp and understand and hold dear for your glory and your name. Amen. Okay.